0: Thanks, my name's Tim, I'm an alcoholic. Thank you for coming along this morning, let me just get my screen sorted out. There we go. So, uh, if I say anything useful, marvellous, and if I don't, well, you'll know not to come back next time. Um, Tradition 11, uh, short form and long form. So the short form, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio and films. Long form. Our relations with the general public should be characterised by personal anonymity. We think AA ought to avoid sensational advertising. Our names and pictures as AA members ought not to be broadcast, filmed or publicly printed. Our public relations should be guided by the principle of attraction rather than promotion. There is never need to praise ourselves. We feel it better to let our friends recommend us. Uh, Something I'd like to say by way of introduction, I've said it pretty much every other time, but I think it needs saying every time, is that anything I know about the traditions, I've learned from someone else, I haven't devised anything myself, I haven't made anything up. All I've done is collected it and passing it on to you. So um, another thing I I don't think I have said this one before, but again I think it's useful. Um, a friend of mine, when he speaks, says I may change my mind on the way home. So if you get a horrible resentment against something I've said by the time you're writing a column on it and telling your sponsor I may already be agreeing with you. So do bear that in mind. This is just a snapshot in time. Um so public relations. It's, this is about public relations and one point about the traditions. So what are the traditions about? If you read the introduction to the traditions in I think it's in I think it's in Language of the Heart. It says basically it governs two things, how the group operates and how the groups relate to the rest of the world. And the later traditions are much more about how we relate to the rest of the world. And so public relations, it's anyone outside AA. Um, So it's how we relate to people outside from the individual level up to the mass level. Now, as usual with this tradition, um, it's controversial. In other words, people disagree about Tradition 11. Um, And I think a lot of the disagreement, I'm hesitant to say is unnecessary, but I think is unnecessary, because it stems from not understanding what the words were intended to mean. Um, And there is a problem, actually, if I dare say this, with the wording of Tradition 11. The use of the word promotion, I think, is a mistake, and I'll come to why I think that's a mistake. Um, Attraction is really clear, so there's no problem with the word attraction. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. And that's an idea that I think we're familiar with from the big book. So on page 58, if you have decided what you want, uh, the, if you if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. And so if you've got to spawn the scene and they don't like what you're suggesting, the conversation's now over, and the relationship's probably over too. What are you going to do? Stalemate. Well, we're just going to wait until you are, you do want, you know, what I'm offering. But it's fine. If you don't want what I'm offering, there are lots of other people. That's why everyone in AA gets to sponsor. It's not just one person who gets to sponsor. It's because everyone is needed. So, But, but attraction is the basic principle. If you want it, fine. If you don't, fine. Um. Now, the, the reason why I think the use of promotion is a problem here, so we we attract rather than promote, is if you look up the word promotion in, let's say, the Oxford English Dictionary. Uh, As with most words, there are lots of different meanings, but there's one in particular which appears pertinent, and it's this to publicise or advertise a product, organisation, venture, etc., so as to increase sales or public awareness. And then you you look at, well, what does publicise mean? To make something widely known, to give out information about a product, personal company, for advertising or promotional purposes. Now, the thing is, uh, we're going to come later to why this is the case, but the AA literature, the 12 and 12, the service manuals, the general custom within AA, is to do precisely that, to make AA widely known. Have you ever seen a book that AA's published? There are pamphlets for people who aren't yet members of AA. We have a telephone number people can call. That's promotion in the dictionary definition of the word. Um, if, if someone writes to AA and it responds and gives information about AA, according to the dictionary defini- definition of promotion, you're promoting AA. You're making AA widely known. All the public events, all the public meetings, um, the advertising on television or on buses or on whatever else, whatever other media. I'm afraid that's promotion it's absolutely promotion it's advertising it's pub it, it's publicization um so it looks like we shouldn't have a tele- telephone number it looks like we shouldn't have we shouldn't publish anything it looks like we shouldn't talk to anyone it looks like if someone's someone if a, if the government says hey hey who are you what are you doing which we is we're not going to tell you <laughs> we're a secret now The thing about traditions is, and I think I mentioned this point before, if ever you read, and unfortunately I have to for work sometimes, if ever you have to read uh, discussions of legislation about what the legislation means, people will often have recourse to the so-called preparatory materials. So when the legislation was passing through parliament, there were lots of discussions about what the purpose is, what the intention is, what what were they even thinking, what were they trying to achieve? And you read the legislation in the light of what they were trying to achieve when they wrote it. And so what do we have in terms of the equivalent in AA? Well, we've got the short form of the tradition, which is the one on the sitting on the wall, which most, it's all most people know. God bless him, but it's all most people know. Uh in terms of other materials, we've got the long form, we've got the twelve and twelve, and we've got the grapevine magazine, in which Bill W wrote lots of articles about the traditions. And there was an argument at Chelsea Intergroup. I shouldn't have said that, but I've said it now. Uh, there was an ar- argument at Chelsea Intergroup a few years ago about whether or not they should have, they should even have a public information officer. Um, so the, the, the role, it was, it came to their attention that the role was vacant and and it's, it's established in Great Britain, in the UK, we have public information officers whose role is to give information to the public about AA, right? But this intergroup, quite rightly, exercised its its right to say, well, do we even want this? Is it in accordance with the traditions? And I think they were reading off the short form. Uh, but half the room was absolutely convinced, yeah, well, if you're giving public information, that's a form of pr- promotion. According to the short form, they're right. <laughs> OK, not they're not wrong. They're absolutely right. But the question is, what, did, what was meant when Bill wrote promotion in Tradition 11? Uh, the long form clears this up for us, and then the 12 and 12 and language of the heart go further to, cl- to make it absolutely unequivocal what is meant. You look at the long form, and it says something different. It says, we think AA ought to avoid sensational advertising. Now, if it was just advertising that was the problem, they would say, we think AA ought to avoid advertising. The fact it says sensational advertising suggests that ordinary advertising is fine. Sensational advertising, disaster. Um, it talks about the general principle of attraction, role and promotion, which is from the short form. There is never need to praise ourselves. Um... And let's look at what those two things... So sensational advertising. Um, if you want to know what that means, look at the 12 and 12, and the section on Tradition 11 and the 12 and 12. It, what it talks about is political parties advertising the virtues of its leaders, charities showing the names of distinguished persons on the letterhead, publicised leadership... Um, it's talking about, uh, and also just taking the phrase sensational advertising, and there is never any need to praise ourselves. If you look at adverts for products, normally the advert tells you how marvellous the product is, and then there's some public figure endorsing how marvellous the product is. So those, that's what we're not supposed to do. Um, and then it's, it's completely clear. It's absolutely fine to give out information about AA, as long as it's neutral rather than sensational. And if you look at the advertising in Great Britain, it does it very well. So it says, uh, if you have a problem with drinking, we may be able to help. The the advert doesn't say, we're absolutely sensational, we're going to solve all of your problems, treatment centres are a disaster, but come to us, we're much better. (laughs) That's sensational advertising. Uh, You know, there's no one saying that, that, you know, you don't see any faces. You don't you don't have any lurid stories or testimonials or advertorials or any of those uh, any of those very dramatic things. It's all very low. Keep it low key. I remember phoning Maureen up when I was around. I was 10 years sober, minus two days. And I said very excitedly, I'm 10 years sober. She said, keep it low key. I didn't like this one bit, but I remembered it. Um. So the public information needs to be sober and non-sensational. Don't make extravagant claims. Don't exaggerate. Don't put public figures in there. Uh, Don't position ourselves vis-a-vis other organisations. Don't say that everyone else is rubbish. Don't praise ourselves. Just, well, we might be able to help. Give us a call. What could it hurt? (laughs) You're not going beyond those bounds, and then it's clear what's going on. Letting other organisations praise us. If we do, and this is the great thing, if we do a good job, other organisations will. And I don't know if you're familiar with what Cochrane reviews are, but they're they're reviews by an independent organisation of clinical studies of different treatment approaches and and pharmacological treatments and and non-pharmacological treatments. And the latest Cochrane review of al- uh, treatment for alcohol dependence, or whatever they're calling it these days, is very favorable about AA. It's very favorable about AA vis-a-vis other forms of therapy. The Lancet, the foremost British medical, um, I think it's the foremost British medical publication. Again, very, um, uh, uh talks very favourably about AA and other 12-step fellowships. So we don't need to do it. If you do a good job, eventually someone will spot it. So that's the principle. That's why we don't need to praise ourselves. Um, What else do we need to know? Um, So language of the heart. Oh, the other thing, being in the public eye Bill talks a lot about this. You know, they say that if Dr Bob were in charge of AA, it would still be one group in Akron. And if Bill were in charge of AA, if Bill had been totally in charge of AA, it hadn't been tempered by Doctor Bob, it would have blown up by nineteen forty two. That would have been the end of it. Um so but Bill is very hesitant to suggest we do anything which places ourselves in the public view. Prominence in AA is a very dangerous. My experience is a very dangerous thing. Uh, Joe Hawke would say, uh, "Isn't it something to be someone in an anonymous fellowship? Disaster, complete disaster. You know, retreat into the shell. Go back. Go and just be in your home group." Um, So it's also to protect the individual against misusing AA for their own purposes or getting too big for their. Too big for their boots. The um, language of the heart. I think it's if you haven't read it, it's it's a it's a good read in my experience. In my feeling, it's a, this is totally subjective. I get a clearer read on what the traditions are about from there than from the twelve and twelve. Uh, there was a. It says, more. I'm just going to read out some of the quotations, which say it better than I can. Good public relations are AA lifelines reaching out to the alcoholic who still does not know us. For years to come, our growth is sure to depend upon the strength and number of these. So we do need public information. Otherwise, people don't know we're there and they can't find us. There was a conference recommendation in Great Britain a couple of years ago where they say, well, they said, we're Alcoholics Anonymous, not Alcoholics Invisible. And that, I think that's a very good guideline to what we're trying to do here. Um, he also talks about, he also explains, Bill explains the principle of attraction rather than promotion. Shot in the arm methods are not for us. No press agents, no promotional devices. You know, so no one's standing in in a, in a uh, dress as an inflatable vodka bottle on the corner of the <laughs> corner of the street. Um, No promotional devices, no big names. Uh, and this is what he talks about, Um, uh, the, the personal side of things. Uh, as a movement, we have been, before now, tempted to exploit the names of our well-known public characters. Let's not name them here. Uh, no member ought to describe himself in full view of the general public as an AA. Uh, even for the most worthy purpose, lest a perilous precedent be set, which would tempt others to do likewise for purposes not so worthy. So often you have to, in AA tradition, you have to, as it were, prohibit things which are kind of okay, in case it opens the door to things which are not so okay. And I think a really good example of that is um, on the literature, not using non-AA literature in listed AA groups, and there's loads of great literature that could be used legitimately, which is totally in accordance with AA principles and blah blah blah, but the trouble is if you say it's fine to use like any other literature within AA meetings, in one in ten cases you're going to have something which is nuts, and which when newcomers come in and think that this is AA, that you have to find, you know, unless you find Jesus, you can't get sober. And that has happened. that's not, I'm not making that situation up. That literally happens. So you have to forego the nine out of ten situations where something might be genuinely helpful just to prevent the one situation where it would be a disaster. So all of those times when people break their anonymity in public and it's fine and it does help. It's still a bad idea because it encourages the one in 10 situations where it really doesn't help. And there have been, I'm not going to name names, but there have been examples in the press in the last 20 years where AA's name has been dragged into some public scandal because of some fool who broke his anonymity and then did something beastly in connection with his AA membership. so what else? So how Tradition eleven is practised in reality, I've already mentioned we're Alcoholics Anonymous, not Alcoholics Invisible. And when you l- read the official AA pamphlets on what public information involves, it's got th- basically, th- we're, we're saying three things. Number one, we exist. Number two, what we do. Number three, what we don't do. Um... Um, So what is it okay to do? It's okay to provide written information on request. It's okay to have a website. It's okay to publish pamphlets. It's okay to do public information work. What is that? Responding to incoming requests. Outreaching to professional organisations with an interest in AA. Now you've got to be careful not to come across as the door-to-door uh, vacuum cleaner salesman, so it's very, very casual, you know, by the way, it's possible, you know, when you approach I me, mean, you might be interested in this, if not, don't worry, but, you know, here's some information, it may be of use to some of your clients, whatever. It's okay to do public talks, it's okay to have stands at conventions, it's okay to participate in public events, as long as we're not sort of allied with the organiser, we're just parachuted in to do a job. And in terms of the tone of doing public information work, I, I, I personally don't really like doing public information work, which is why I did it for around 10 years in AA. Um, I'm so not suited to it temperamentally, uh, but I did it. Um, be factual, don't praise AA, uh, so be neutral about it, uh, just just be low-key about it, pra- if you're going to praise it, be low-key about it. Don't make extravagant claims, don't be lurid, and don't talk about other organisations or approaches. Um, uh, and the stories being anonymized. So don't, you know, uh, in armed services liaison, we uh, got people to write lots of stories about their history of being in the armed services and then drinking and then AA. And so, of course, you strip out any information which could enable the individual to be traced. Yeah, with officers that was more relevant than with the, the squad is whereas is you know there are far greater numbers. It would be harder to trace but with senior officers you couldn't you had to be careful about what you said. Um and now, public anonymity, which is a, a, a common topic. Let's see if there are any questions. No, no questions on that. There, there there usually are questions, uh because you start to talk about, you know, can I say that I'm in AA on Facebook? um, questions like that. So, the basic principle is pretty straightforward. Um, it, if your full name and picture is there, you can say you're an AA, i oh, sorry, you can say you're in recovery, but you can't say you're an AA. It's linking something, it's linking yourself to the fellowship of AA. Um, a friend of mine who is in the public eye and gets interviewed a little bit, uh, he 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 his work is involved in the recovery field. Uh, he gives lots of retreats and things like that, and he gets interviewed a fair amount by local radio and TV and things. And they uh, and some of his talks are you know put uh, his talks to outside organisations are put on. YouTube and so on, and he doesn't mention AA. What he says is, I got sober, you know, I'm an alcoholic, I got sober through the help of some friends and taking some practical steps. So you can set, you can, you can give the information without linking yourself to the fellowship of AA. AA is not the only organisation which uses the 12 steps. Uh, There are non-12 step organisations which employ the 12 steps. You know, there's certain, religious organizations have their own in-house treatment programs and they adopt and adapt the 12 steps so it by saying even by saying i've used the 12 steps you are not saying you're a member of aa it's linking yourself to the organization which is the problem not linking yourself to the principles and a good example um of of this uh there was a a very famous character in the uk um Uh, She was a sort of uh, an artist and one of these, you know, Soho characters. And she was on television in the 1980s and early 1990s on on various shows. Um, You know, those shows they put on, like, if you don't have any friends, you turn on the television and the people there are considerably more interesting than the people you know in real life. Those types of shows. Um, And she was great. I loved her throughout. She was clearly a drunk as well. I loved her. And they had her on this television program where they she got sober, oh, I don't know, maybe five years previously. And they had some interviewers, and the interviewers were asking dumb questions. And one of the dumb questions was, so then, you know, she wasn't called Susan, let's call her Susan. So then, Susan, what do you do now you don't drink? And she said, everything. And that stuck in my mind, and about three months later, I called AA. I think there's probably a connection. She didn't need to say she was in AA. All she needed to be was someone who was publicly very a very public alcoholic and then very publicly sober. Fine. And the reason why it's it's problematical to attach yourself to AA, apart from the self-aggrandizement which I've mentioned, and misusing AA for personal purposes. Um if you get discredited AA gets discredited but also there's there's something else about public image and this this i think pertains also to having an image in AA um or a public you know persona in in AA now if you talk a lot you're going to people you're going to have a persona whether you like one or not so the, the job is to distance yourself from it and you can have a persona in your home group if you're one of the longest 5 sober people in the room you are going to have a reputation and a persona even if you're only 5 years sober or 10 years sober this is not just about you know the 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 the, the famous american circuit speakers this is about ha- holding any position in in aa um that any image that my home group members have of me is 100% none of my business uh what people say Uh, I don't know if you've ever had people come to you and try to tell you in AA what other people are saying about you. Um, The one way to stop that happening is to say that the person who relates the gossip is just as much at fault as the person who initiates the gossip, and the person that hears the gossip Is just as much at fault as the person who initiates, uh, collects and retails it. And so I'll say to people, um, don't put me in the position of, as it were, committing the sin of listening to gossip by launching it at me uninvited. Just, just stop it now. I don't want if people are saying things about me, I don't want to know. Um, and one of the reasons for this is, um. It's not just my uh, my feet, which are of clay. It appears that all of my body parts are made of clay, and um, I'm. Uh, sometimes you put together how long you've been sober, and then what your mind is like first thing in the morning, and it's embarrassing. You know, I ought to be better than this by now, but I'm not fine. Um, you know, my worst moments every day are worse than my best moments. Sometimes, as a newcomer, so you know. The trouble, and the trouble is with reputation or image, is as soon as you you know of one or you're attached to one, you've got something to live up to, and then you're trying to do the right thing because of image, not because it's the right thing for the higher power. So what I've been taught to do is just stand completely back from that uh, so that I'm allowed to have a catastrophic day, I'm allowed to get things completely wrong, I'm allowed to make mistakes, I don't have to be a role, I don't have to be anything, my only job is to be close to the higher power, and what comes of that is what comes of that. I don't know if any of that makes sense about reputation, but just stand back and um, uh, remember that anything that one does achieve or do outside AA or inside AA is 100% down to God, 0% naught percent down to me uh, even because the any I can't even take credit for efforts and so this is I, I'm, I'm drifting into tradition 12 here but so bit uh, the notion is that um, uh, I can't I I can't take credit for any attitudes I have I can't take credit for the opportunities that have been given to me and the effort even the effort I can't I can't take credit for because I don't generate my own motivation. I don't say, so, well, I'm going to have some motivation state. I'm going to take three three ounces of flour and two ounces of butter and make my no no no. Either you have it or you don't. You don't so, so what am I what do I think I'm taking credit for? There's nothing to take credit for. Um it's that thing in Bill's story, without God I'm nothing. Um and I try and remember that. Not say so that great things can't be done through individuals by the higher power, but that's a different question. It's about being used by the higher power. It's not about becoming something because of being used by the higher power. Um, Dr. Bob was very good on anonymity. If ever you want a cranky quotation, get a quotation by Dr. Bob because there's always a cranky angle to them. I love them. Um, I identify with him far more than with 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 Bill. Um so, this is this is from Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, pages 264 and 265. As far as anonymity was concerned, we knew who we were. It wasn't only AA, but our social life. All of our lives seemed to be spent together. We took people home with us to dry out. The Cleveland group had the names and dresses and phone numbers of all the members, said Warren. In fact, I remember Dr. Bob saying, if I got up and gave my name as Dr. Bob S, people who needed help would have a hard time getting in touch with me. Warren recalled, he, Dr. Bob, said that there were two ways to break the anonymity tradition. Uh, by giving, one, by giving your name at the public level of press or radio, two, by being so anonymous that you be reached by other drunks. Um, In an article in the February 1969 Grapevine, Dr Bob, on Tradition 11, uh, Volume 25, Issue 9, um, Oh, I I don't understand the grammar of the sentence. Anyway, in that Grapevine article, uh, Dr Bob commented on the 11th Tradition, We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio and films as follows. Since our tradition of anonymity designates the exact level where the line should be held, it must be obvious to everyone who can read and understand the English language, little bit of sarcasm there, that to maintain anonymity at any other level is definitely a violation of this tradition. The AA who hides his identity from his fellow AAs by using only a given name, like Ironing Board Arthur, for instance, violates the tradition just as much as the AA who permits his name to appear in the press in connection with matters pertaining to AA. The former is maintaining his anonymity above the level of press, radio, and films. The latter is maintaining his anonymity below the level of press, radio, and films, whereas the tradition states that we should maintain our anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Ernie G. of Toledo, commenting on what he saw to be an increase of anonymity within AA today as compared with the old days, said, I made a lead over to Jackson one night, and everybody's coming up to me and saying, I'm Joe, I'm Pete. Then one of the guys said, safe journey home. If you get into any trouble, give me a buzz. Later, I said to the fellow who was with me, you know, suppose we did get into trouble on the way home. How would we tell anyone in AA? We don't know anyone's last name. They got so doggone carried away with this anonymity that it gets to be a joke. So um my general approach and, and obviously people are at liberty to do what they want here. Um I make sure that people around me know my surname. It, people in AA around me know my surname so they know which one, you know, which which of the many Tims to contact. They can pass my name. It's just e- it's just easier to know people's surnames. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh ooh, some questions. Oh goody. Um what about disclosing that I'm a member of AA when I'm making amends, as suggested in the big book? Whatever well, is in the big book, it must be true. Um, so, that first question. Um, making am- so, do I disclose I'm a member of AA? Well, as long as I'm not making amends at the level of press, radio, TV or film, I'm allowed to. The question that I, the, the approach I always follow with the men's is what, when working out what to say, what what to disclose, what good will it do? So the options it gives you on page 70, 76, 77 are, you know, you might mention AA, you might mention alcoholism, you might mention God, you might mention spirituality, but it cautions you there by uh, saying you don't want to leap with the chin, you don't want to come across as a religious bore. So the question, what I get the sponsors to, what I do myself, is I mentally walk through the amend. I imagine saying all of those things or not saying all of those things and asking myself what good would it do or how might it stand in the way. Um, there are cookie-cutter approaches to AA. And if you've got a cookie-cutter approach and it's working for you, wonderful. I'm so pleased for you. But I can report instances of the cookie-cutter approach going a little bit wrong. Um, friend of mine, um, let's call her Jennifer, was making amends to someone, and she said, she went to the person and said, um I'm a member of AA, I'm now doing a spiritual programme, and part of that spiritual programme is that I make amends to all those people I've harmed. So she did, she, cookie cutter, she did it beautifully. And the person said, oh, so I'm part of one of those processes, am I? Where am I? Number 37 on the list. So it doesn't always go down well. Sometimes the people we're making amends to are just a tiny little bit cynical, and the I, and I've that's not the only time I've seen that reaction. That you get that reaction a lot, including when you make amends to people in AA, because it can come across that you're making amends, that you're apologising. For your own spiritual purposes, or to tick a box, or to be a good boy, or not because the person is owed, you know, you should have apologized to them seven years ago and you've waited this time. And now, oh, la dee da comes in with her, you know, with his spiritual program. Oh, aren't you marvelous? Where's the apology for taking seven years to make the apology? It's a, di- it, can, it can come across as a huge distraction. But on the other hand, there are times when unless you demonstrate that you're serious about being sober and serious about dealing with your past and blah, 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 they won't it it won't be credible. So it just it totally depends on the situation. Uh, Is, you know, is the disclosure going to help? Is the disclosure not going to help? I almost always squeeze in the fact that I'm in in AA and making amends. Uh, The one. The one I'm going to tell a story against myself. Um, okay, so when I was 15 years sober, um, I'd had a run-in with the Human Resources Department of a um, uh, an employer, and I don't know if you've ever done this, I got hot under the collar with the Human Resources Department. I felt myself very unfairly treated. And I thought, I shall I shall be a crusader for good. I'm going to be a crusader for reform. No one else has the courage to step forward, step up to the plate and just set right this terrible wrong that we're all labouring under. Um, and, I mean, apart from the fact it didn't achieve anything, all it did was annoy people. And when I made amends for that, I think i did it when i was like 11 12 years sober something like that um and then i was 15 years sober when i when i made amends and when i made amends i i I followed the formula pretty much and i said um i asked bernadette for bernadette it was i was making amends i asked bernadette how did any of this affect you she said oh we're trained how to deal with people like you. <laughs> We've seen it before. It's fine. Uh, I mean, you know, it was the most embarrassing put-down. One of the top 50 most embarrassing put-downs in my life. Um, but I'm really glad I didn't say, Hi, I'm a member of AA. I've been sober for 15 I don't want to give. I don't... If what you did, you did sober. <laughs> do you wanna? Do you wanna bring AA into it? You know how good of an impression is it? Is it gonna make? So in that case, I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't. But the rest of my colleagues now I'm in AA. Whether that does any good, you know, depends very much on my behaviour towards them. Uh, two more questions. Uh, the quote from Doctor Bob and the Grapevine about anonymity. Um, uh, I think it's from. Uh, um, uh, Doctor Bob and the Good Old Timers, page two six four two six five. Um, if you if you can't find it there, ask Gabrielle and I'll send you a link to the note which has got the material. I think my my notes may have been cobbled from different sources. So, uh, do we send a wrong message about AA by giving our last names from the floor? Okay, so this is a this is a separate question. Is there a danger that newcomers may be given the impression they must do the same? Right, so there are two questions here. Do I let people in AA have my surname? And do I share my surname from the floor? Uh I've got a little AA card which I give people, which has got my AA email address, my AA telephone number, and it's got my full name. So I'll give if people want my details, they can have my details. Um when I'm sharing when I'm in a meeting, there are, there are different there isn't a settled custom with Zoom meetings and, and other online meetings. Some people use surnames, some people don't. Because it's really hard to con you can't just grab people as easily in Zoom meetings. I that's one of the reasons I put the surname on there, because it's easier for me to be traced if someone wants to contact me. In face to face meetings, you can grab the person afterwards. In my experience, there isn't a need to actually say it from the floor, because you can, you can, you, there are other ways of doing it. And I think that is a risk of giving newcomers the impression that they must disclose their identity now. You know, don't wait. Now you've arrived. Now tell us your surname. It's going to make people twitchy. The other thing as well is I like to follow the custom of the fellowship I'm attending. I like to follow the custom of the group I'm attending. So if my if the if the fellowship I'm attending talks about being clean, I'll use the word clean. If they use the word addict, I'll use the word addict. Am I an addict? Yes. But I don't say alcoholic when I'm in going to a CA meeting. Um in in and in Al Anon they teach this as a, as a principle to talk the language of the fellowship you're in, leave your other hats at the door. Now, part of the custom thing is whatever the custom of the group is, I want to follow it. So, if they say my name's so and so, I'm an alcoholic, I'll follow the custom. And if they don't disclose their surnames, I won't disclose my surname either at that point, um, because even if you're not doing it to stand out, it makes you stand out. So that's why I don't. That's why I don't do it. But I'm not telling anyone else what to do, do what you want, but that's why I don't do it, and I, I, I don't do it because other people don't do it, it's as simple as that. Uh, one of the great things about AA is there are so clearly so many differences between us. Um, it's good to have one thing in common in the meeting, so the introduction, to me, is a very good way of establishing we're all in the same boat. Um, Full names. Okay. Next question. How do you feel about having members' full names and where they're from on flyers for special events or meetings? We have Bob Darrell from Las Vegas speaking at tonight's meeting. I, with stuff that can get into the public public realm, I don't agree with having the, the the I think there's a danger of having the surname on there. Um. I leave organ. I leave groups to groups and organizers to decide um, whether or not to include the first name. I've organised events, so this, I think the flyer for this has got my first name, I don't think it's got my surname on it, that's correct, okay, good. Um, but I think it's completely legitimate um, to have, uh, and certainly I've organised events like this, where we say to people, we've got 12 speakers, one on each of the steps, from different parts of the country. If you want to find out who they are, come. Then you'll find out who they are. You'll see them there. <laughs> I quite like that. Um, someone asking about uh, oh, uh, putting a speaker's name on a flyer. Social me- social yes, yeah, so, social media pages is is tricky. Um, so if. So with social media, it depends what the settings are. This is my personal belief. Depends what the settings are. The only people that can see my Facebook posts are the 250 people I actually do know. I've got the, there's a small handful of people I barely know on there, but basically I know everyone on there. But it's not publicly available. If it's publicly viewable, then it's a traditions breach because it's 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 in it's it can get into the public domain. Um. um I think if the flyer just says Susan from Wichita, and there's no picture of Susan from Wichita, you're fine, because there isn't the surname, there isn't the picture. It's the traceability to the individual, which makes it a problem. Uh, Someone's saying, I've seen in Zoom meetings, members having their first name, then their phone number as their screen name, what do you think? I don't know what I think, I'll tell you what I do. In my online home group, uh, I have my name and my telephone number, I think I have my first name, my initial and then my telephone number, but it's basically a closed thing. You can't really access it from the, from the public domain. Um, so I want to let... Pe- and lots of people have contacted me on the basis of me making my number available, and friends of mine have had a similar experience, so that's all I've got on that. Um, I've got some comments on application of Tradition 11 in my own life, um, so in sponsorship, this attraction-not-promotion business, it's, for the best of uh, reasons, one can sometimes want sponsees to get well more than they want to get well. And um, it's very common for a sponsor to try to make up for the sponsee's lack of willingness with a surfeit of enthusiasm or the imposition of, of order um, in some way. And I won't even... I know there are lots of sponsors who do this, and if they do this, this is absolutely fine. They'll say, you have to meet me once a week at this time. You have to call me at this time. Every day. And if you don't, you're sacked. The the danger, when I've been on either side of that deal, this is very much a temperament thing, It totally works for a lot of people, but it doesn't work for me. Because... The first time the sponsee calls, you know, as agreed, 9 a.m. Monday morning, they're super enthusiastic. Two weeks later, they're calling, but there's a hollowness in the voice because they're calling because they said they would. Not because they, um, not because they actually, not because they, it talks about, in, talks about this in the big book. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. So my deal with sponsees is um uh you call me when you when the desire is coming from within. Now that coming from within could be your own decision to obey spiritual principles, which is level one. It could be level two, which is enthusiasm, that's enlightened self-interest. You do what you do because you want to get the effects you think it will produce, so you do it with gusto. And the third level is zeal, where you're just overflowing with excitement about it for its own sake. So obedience can come from within, but the obedience must come from the individual obeying their own, what they committed to themselves, not because I've imposed it from above. And if you've spent a long time with alcoholics, you pick things up, you learn how to pick things up, and one of the deadliest dynamics in a sponsor-sponsee relationship is when the sponsee is ticking the boxes and like doing the exercise in a perfunctory way to maybe like 62% of their capacity, so it's not so bad they're taking the piss, but there's no heart in it, there's no soul in it, like what are they bringing to it, and then you feel like you're having to to fluff them, to, you know, to get, to, to to bring some energy to the process. I can't do that. As Fan Makarios says in that Nikos Kazantzakis novels, my bones are old. I haven't got the energy, I've I barely got enough energy for my own recovery. I can't use my energy to make up for other people's lack of energy in their recovery. I've got enough, I'm gi- I appear to be given by God enough for me. I'm not given energy for other people. I'm given enough for me, and then if some of that spills over, great. But I can't structurally carry other people's recovery for them. My sponsor uses the phrase, don't pick unripe apples. Uh, It's a good image because of the sour taste. Uh, the Big Book's also very clear on this. If he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything, but urge them not to be over-anxious. So it's the same thing with sponsees. Uh, I never want to be forcing the interaction with a sponsee. Don't hysterically plead. If they don't want to do it, let me know when you're willing to do it. Click. End of conversation. I'm not going to, I'm here to offer and explain. I'm not here to persuade or convince. And that will free up the whole afternoon. Um, There isn't that we could do a whole session on the games we play as sponsees. I include myself as this because I've played all of the games with my sponsors over the years. This is how I know that someone is playing a game with me because I've played, I've been in there. Position, and one of the one of the games is you phone up like super excited uh, to talk to your sponsor, and you bubble over with what your problem is, and then your sponsor tells you the solution, and then you engage in the four R's. What are the four R's? The four R's are react, resist, reject, reproach. So I haven't even fully heard what my sponsor has said, but I know I don't like it, and I start to react and nitpick. And then I start to resist, you know, thanks for the information, but, and all the reasons why uh, I don't think the suggestion that's been given to me is a good idea. Then I outright reject it, and then I say I'm not going to do it. And then I reproach my sponsor for even having suggested it in the first place. And this whole game can go on for years, and it can keep, if you're the sponsor playing your side of that game, because the sponsor side of the game is to plead, to explain, to re-explain, to give motivations, to to do everything to try to overcome the reaction, the resistance, the rejection, and the reproach. And in my experience, it doesn't work. All it does is is it it causes it to escalate more next time. The only way, um, uh, Corey, who is very good, says the only the only way to stop playing the game is to stop playing the game. Just because they've invited you to dance does not mean you have to step onto the dance floor. So, if there's any hint of reaction or resistance or rejection or reproach, I stop. Because it's it's the game with the greased pig, trying to wrestle a greased pig to the floor. You're the one that ends up covered in scratches and bites and mud, and the thing that you don't realise is the pig loves it. <laughs> I, lo- I love, I love, I've loved both sides of that game, but it doesn't achieve anything. It's a way of structuring time, that's all. Um, and there's a little psychological payoff on both sides, which I won't go into. But basically, what has this got to do with Tradition 11? Attraction, not promotion. If I... If I'm not entirely enthusiastic about what my sponsor is going to say, I don't even call him. If I'm going to call to tick the box so that I can say, oh, look, I'm being sponsored, but I'm not genuinely interested, I don't call. It's dishonest. Um, when I've got a sponsee who goes into the four R's of react, re- resist, reject, reproach, I just say, sweetie, You've gone into the four R's. Can you see you've done that? So what we're gonna do, we're gonna have a little break. If you want to if you want to resume on a different basis, great. I'm gonna take a break for a day. Sometimes I've taken a break for two weeks. So if you want to resume on a new basis, call in two weeks, we'll start again. But I'm not gonna do this. Um and there's a weird there's a weird thing. When you stop playing the game. People stop even trying to play the game with you. Um, My friend John says, as soon as he stopped um, putting up with game playing from sponsees, something inside them knew that he was no longer available for the game, and they stopped even trying. Saves a lot of time. So if people are trying it on with me, it's because I've got the mental equivalent of it there. I've got... You know, if you don't want to be treated as a, a doormat, you want to ask yourself why you're printed with the word welcome. The horns in the head of the alcoholic match the holes in the head of the Alanon. If the alcoholic keeps getting his horns stuck in me, why do I still have holes in my head? Um, someone said to a spiritual advisor, um, I can't believe I was abandoned. And the person and the spiritual advisor said, what makes you so abandonable? I've always got to look to me. If I keep getting burned by other people's behavior, what decisions did I make based on self, which placed me in a position to be hurt? But this this principle of attraction or promotion, absolutely vital for sponsorship and to be super alert to not making up for someone else's lack of enthusiasm. Um, and there's there's another another idea in in traditional at level attraction not promotion I get all this from Dennis F who's very very good uh, who's an AA member who wrote a bunch of stuff in the 19, late 70s and early 80s on the steps to traditions and the concepts. I understand he's still alive, like, you know, decades later. So what he said clearly worked one way or another. Um, But he talks about attraction, not promotion with um, uh, in your relationship with the world generally. So if you want good things, you don't promote those good things in your life. You don't run. So basically, don't run after stuff. Sex, money, power, prestige, comfort, thrills, appearance. Stop running after it. If you if you are a giver, you will attract good things into your life. Uh, if you want a good, and this was the advice I was given, if you want a good intimate relationship with another person, if you become the person you want to have a relationship with, you will start attracting the right people into your relationship. Don Pritz said, I don't know how to have a a, a healthy, sick relationship. And a sick relationship is any relationship where I'm trying to promote some outcome, when I've got some goal in mind and I'm either overtly or covertly trying to bring that about. If I adopt the AA public relations policy in my relationships, here I am, this is who I am, this is what I have to offer, if you if you like it, great, if you don't, great, then I attract a totally different type of person in, into my life. I attract, get this, Boundary people. Aren't they great? Boundary people who don't play games, people who don't play games back, people who don't initiate games. To repeat the phrase, it frees up the whole afternoon not having to deal with bullshit. Now, you're going to have to deal, I have to deal with bullshit with clients occasionally. Um, I have to deal with bullshit with people in in AA, I've dealt bullshit in AA, so I'm on both sides of it, but there's a certain amount you have to deal with because you're getting a job done, Um, so wherever I can avoid it, I can, and I've just, I've found this, I'm going to finish on this point, i found this with work as well, Um, when I'm trying to do God's will, I'm able to say no as well as yes, because something is not the best use of my time to achieve god's purposes and i work with lots and lots of different agencies in my work and i've discovered when i'm in a spiritually fit state i attract different types of clients different types of work different types of interactions when i'm on the make then i fall for deals i wouldn't have fallen for and then resent the people who are on the other side of the deal it's very interesting how this works And and one actually no one last thing, and this is a quotation from someone else, um, about uh not taking credit for anything. So maybe this is a tradition twelve thing. Um but the only the only thing which is down to me is my will and how I exercise my will. Is it to seek God um or fall back to my alcoholic programming? And so This is why I can't take credit for anything, because even that will was given to me by God. All I have to do is, you know, the the choice is do I pray or not pray, basically. Um, And this is the C.S. Lewis quotation about how basically God is behind everything and you can't take credit. Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. So that when we talk of a man doing anything for God or giving anything to God, I will tell you what that is really like. It is like a small child going to its father and saying, Daddy, give me sixpence to buy you a birthday present. Of course, the father does, and he is pleased with the child's present. It is all very nice and proper, but only an idiot would think that the father is sixpence to the good on the transaction. When a man has made these two discoveries, God can really get to work. It is after this that real life begins. The man is awake now. We can go on to talk of faith in the second sense. So I think I think that's from mere Christianity. It's from one of the, the C.S. Lewis books. But that's the idea. I... To take credit for anything in my life, anything I've achieved, I've achieved, anything that has been achieved in my life, is to take it. it it's like take the child taking credit for the, the sixpenny present it gave its father. I was given the ability to do those things, so I can't take the credit for it. And that's the principle we're going to talk about more. Next week with, with anonymity. Just one last one. Do you disclose your own alcoholic and job interviews? No, I don't. Some people do. Fine. I don't. Um, uh, and I think that's all I've got. So thank you for listening.